Good morning. I'm Tommy Green. I'm the associate pastor here at Centerpoint. And this morning we're going to continue on in our series titled Upside Down. Matter of fact, inside your bulletin, you're going to find an insert with an outline on it entitled Joy in Trials. And if you need a pen to fill in the blanks or take some notes as we go along, if you'll just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and take care of that for you. Now, there are many concepts within the kingdom of God that are recorded in the Bible that are totally upside down to the way we think upon the earth. Some examples are that if you want to be a leader, that you need to learn to be a servant. That if you want to find meaning in your life, then you have to lay down your life. That God would rather use nobodies than somebodies to accomplish his purposes upon the earth. That's better to give than it is to receive. Point A on your outline states that God's thinking often seems upside down to us. Isaiah 55 states it this way, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's ways are not like our thoughts, and they're not just a little bit not like ours, they're a lot not like ours. Matter of fact, a lot of times they're totally, completely opposite than the way we think. You got to realize that God is not only the author of our lives, he's the author of the universe. And he knows the beginning, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything and he knows what's best for us. And the subject we're going to talk about today is very upside down to the way we think. And that's point B on your outline, and it states that God wants us to see trials as opportunities for joy. James 1-2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. When you go through trials, it's an opportunity for great joy. And that's not really the way we think about it most of the times. We usually see trials as an opportunity to complain, to get depressed, to worry. That's the way we see trials. But see, God knows that we can find trials as an opportunity for joy because when we go through trials, it's an opportunity for us to remind ourselves who's really in control. It's an opportunity to trust and believe that God is in control of every detail of our life. And that is actually what true joy is all about. In fact, I want to give you a definition of joy this morning before we continue. And it is this. Joy is great delight or a sense of well-being that comes from knowing that God is in control of every detail of our lives. Such joy is independent of our circumstance. Sances, I want you to understand that there is a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. Matter of fact, if I go down and I pick out a brand new car and I buy that brand new car, that brand new car will bring me happiness. I take that car off the lot and I have a wreck. I'm not happy anymore. The happiness comes and goes through the circumstances of our life. But joy is all about this great delight and this sense of well-being, knowing that God is in control when I bought the car and God is still in control when I had a wreck. That is what true joy is all about. So before we go any further in our message this morning, I want us to have a word of prayer as we take a look at how God wants us to see our trials as an opportunity for joy. Will you pray with me? And Lord, as we look through your word today, Lord, you're going to challenge us. 
Lord, when we go through trials and tribulations, Lord God, you're going to challenge us of how we see those in our lives. So I pray this morning, Lord God, you truly would move me completely out of the way and that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and speak through your scriptures and change us and challenge us to be the people that you've called us to be. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go throughout this outline this morning, I want you to pay very special attention to the scriptures that we use, because you're going to find a common theme through the majority of the scriptures we use, and it's this joy of choosing joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And the reason God has scattered that all throughout the scripture is because all of us are going to go through trials. There's not a one of us in here who is exempt from trouble in our lives. Matter of fact, that's the note on your outline, and it is this, pain is universal. This is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Matter of fact, I want you to go ahead and underline the word many. They're not a few. You're going to go through many trials and you're going through many sorrows. And then he states this, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There's some translations that translate that, cheer up for I have overcome the world. The truth of the matter is all of us in here are going to go through situations that are very, very hard and they're very, very difficult. And none of us are exempt from that. And the reason for that is the note on your outline is that we live in a fallen world. Pain, conflict, troubles, and death are all part of the curse. They're all part of living in a fallen world, and it's all a result of sin. Matter of fact, uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the garden, and they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when God had told them not to do that, sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, a curse fell upon the earth. And what I want you to understand this morning, though, the curse is upon the earth. It's not upon us individually. I do not go through trials and tribulations in my life because of the bad things I have done. That's True, there are consequences to my actions. That's not what I'm talking about. But God does not put sickness on this person or causes this person to go through this because they're cursed and because God is trying to get even at them or because God is mad at them. We go through bad things in this world because we live in a fallen world. I want you to listen to the curse that was placed upon the earth when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Then God said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. We will have pain in this world. Can I get an amen from the women in this room? Amen. Amen. You're going to have pain. And you will desire to control your husband, and your husband will do everything you tell him to do. That's not what it says, is it? No, I didn't think so. Anyway, no, you'll desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. You'll want to want to do one thing and your husband will want to do another. You will have conflicts in this world. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Someone sounds like they know that firsthand. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grain, though you will eat of its grains. Listen, there are going to be times in our lives that we're going to work really, really hard 
and we're barely going to have enough. We're going to go through trouble in this world. We're going to go through financial difficulties. We're going to go through difficulties at work. We're going to have trouble as long as we live upon this earth. Then he goes on to say, By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from the dust, and to the dust you will return. There's not a person in this room that 100 years from now will not be dead. Death is part of the curse. And with death comes pain, comes sorrow. When we lose loved ones, it's very hard and it's very difficult and it causes trials in our lives. But all of the trouble that we go through is all because sin entered into the world. And when sin entered into the world, it caused us to have trouble and difficulties in our life. In fact, I want you to listen to how Paul puts it in Romans 8, 20 through 21. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. From the time that Adam and Eve disobeyed God till the time that Jesus Christ returns upon the earth, we're going to have trouble. And the reason we're going to have trouble, okay, is because of sin. And all of us, none of us are exempt from pain in this world. But here's a life application for us this morning. And that is, as followers of Jesus Christ, we can look forward to heaven. Amen? We're going to have pain in this world, but there's one day coming where all of our tears, all of our sorrows, all of our pain, all of our disappointments, and all of our heartaches will be no more. Is that good news? It's good news. Listen how it's put in Revelation. Listen to this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look! God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. Circle forever, because that's good news. Forever. I got to let you know, Shelly and I moved here about three years ago. We moved to Prattville the preferred community. And um, yes, we did. We moved to the preferred community. But I want you to know, just because Prattville is the preferred community, it is not heaven. And the reason I know that the preferred community is not heaven is because I have gone through some trials since I've been here. Matter of fact, two and a half months ago, Shelly and I got a phone call from uh, her mother that told us that her dad was in the hospital with heart failure. And that the doctors told us that his lungs were filling up with fluid. And the only way to get the fluid off the lungs was to put him on life support. And if they put him on life support, he would never come off. So Shelly and I threw some clothes into the car, chunked our kids into the car, and drove to Texas as fast as we could. By the time we had got there, they had already put him on life support and already began to drain the fluid off of his lungs. And over the next couple of days, he began to get a little stronger, a little stronger, until eventually, about two days later, the doctor comes in and tells us that he can get off life support. And he turns to him and says, looks at him and says, you're a walking miracle. That shouldn't have happened. I tell you what, that was a really, really hard trial that we had went through. So we stayed there for a couple of days. We get in the car and we come back 
here to Prattville, and on the way, we're almost home, we get a phone call from her mom telling us the doctors had come back in and had reevaluated his heart and found out that his heart was only functioning at 10% capacity. And it should be functioning somewhere between 45% and 60%. And the only hope for him having a productive and meaningful life was that if he could have a heart transplant. Right smack dab in the midst of a trial again. We had just thought we had gotten over. So they sent him home with some medicine in hopes that his heart would get strong enough to eventually have a heart transplant. And he did what the doctor said. He began to take his medicine, and his heart began to get stronger, and it got stronger, and it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And last Wednesday, we got a phone call that said that he went back to the doctor. They had reevaluated him. His heart was now functioning at 45% capacity, which was in normal levels, and there would be no need for him to look at having a heart transplant. Amen? God's good, and we had to trust God through every step of the way. That happened on Wednesday. On Thursday, I get a phone call from my realtor. My realtor tells me that the people that are purchasing my house have run into some difficulties, and they will no longer be purchasing my house, which means that I will no longer be purchasing the house that I really wanted to buy, which means that the stuff that's in storage in Montgomery at the U-Haul place, that I have to go back, get that stuff out of storage, and put it back into the house that I packed it from. Ask me if I'm happy about that. No, I'm not. (laughs) Ask me if it steals my joy. And that's a choice I have to make every step of the way. Because it's a choice to believe that God is in control of every detail of my life. And as long as I live on this earth, even if it is in the preferred community, I'm going to go through troubles. And I'm going to go through trials. So the rest of this message, I want you to listen to me preach to myself. Because I'm going to talk about three steps to looking at trials in our life as opportunities for joy. The first step to seeing your trials as an opportunity for joy is that we must recognize that every circumstance we go through has a purpose and can be used for our good. Romans 8.28 says this, God causes everything, go ahead and circle that word everything, because I looked that word up in the Greek and Hebrew, and it meant everything. God uses everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to the purposes for them. I want you to understand something about God. God is a very resourceful God, and he doesn't waste your tears. He doesn't waste your pain. He doesn't waste our heartache and our disappointment. He uses all of those trials that we go through to shape us and to form us to be the people of God that he wants us to be. He uses every trial that we go through, and he can use it for our own good. Let me give you some examples of some of the ways God can use the trials in our life. Point A states this, that God uses trials to test our faith. First Peter says, there is a wonderful joy ahead. There's that joy word again. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. 
it is being tested as fire, as fire tests and purifies gold. God uses the trials and the disappointments and the circumstances in our life to test us to see if our faith is really genuine, if it is really real. When I was in high school, I played on a football team that the first four games of the year, we had an amazing defense. Matter of fact, we had basically shut out everybody that we had played. And I'll never forget, before the fifth game, our coach told us, listen, boys, I don't want you guys to get the hothead. I don't want you to get too high on yourself because you really haven't been tested this year. Most of the teams you've played have been pretty weak. But this Friday night, you're going to play a team that has a top-notch running back. And as football players, we're like, bring it on. Test us. We can handle this. Okay? Well, that Friday night, we played against a team that had a player on it by the name of Bam Bam Morris. Bam Bam Morris, and the name fit him very well, by the way. Bam Bam Morris ended up eventually playing for Texas Tech, where uh, one of the years in college, he was touted as the best running back in the country. He eventually went on to go play for the Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'll never forget the first play that we were on defense, and they pitched him a ball on a sweep, and I happened to be playing cornerback at about 135 pounds. And I ran up, and I hit his thigh, which is about the size, his one thigh was about the size of my waist, as hard as I could, and held on to his thigh. About five yards later, I was down to his knee. About 10 yards later, I was down to his ankle, where he finally shook me off and ran on into the end zone for about a 75-yard run. The first three times he touched that ball that game, he scored touchdowns. By the middle of the fourth quarter, he had 275 yards on us. Our defense wasn't quite as good as what we thought it was. So we've been put to the test. And when you're put to the test, you find out how you really are. And many times in our lives, we can say, man, I trust in God in every circumstance. I believe God. I'm going to be a faithful follower to God. I love him. I'm all about God. Until something comes in our lives and tests that, do we really know that that's true or not? How do we know that we're going to be faithful to God unless we're put into a situation where we need to be faithful to God? How do we know that we're going to be trust God in every circumstance unless circumstances in our life come that we have to trust God? See, trials in our life will come in our lives to see if our faith is genuine, to see if we really are what we say we are, faithful followers and believers of Christ. So God will use trials in our lives to test us. Another way that God will use trials in our lives is to, um, which is point B on your outline, is to strengthen our character. He'll use the trials we go through to strengthen our character. Romans puts it this way. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Every time we go through a trial or we go through a temptation, it's an opportunity for our character to be strengthened. Every time I have someone who speaks bad about me or uses me and takes advantage of me or lies about me or cheats me or steals from me, it's an opportunity for me to not take revenge. And every time I don't take revenge and I don't speak negative and I don't take vengeance into my own hands, it's an opportunity for my character to get strengthened. Every time I'm on the computer and there's an ad over on the right side of some girl that's half-dressed that says, click on me to meet me, and I don't click on that and I say faithful to my wife, it strengthens my character. Every time I go through a situation in my life that is beyond my ability, that's a circumstance that I can't control, 
and I choose not to worry, and I choose to put my trust in God and to allow him to handle it for me, my character gets strengthened. I say this over and over to people. God is more interested in our spiritual maturity than he is with our comfort. God wants to mold and make us into his image, and he's in the, he's in the business of making us more like Jesus. And the way he does that is through trials in our life. It's the way he does. So if we want to see how we can have joy in the midst of trials, we need to know that God uses every circumstance in our life, and he can turn that circumstance and use it for our good. Another way that we can find joy in the midst of trials is that we must be confident that God is with us in the midst of of our trials. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulties, you will not drown. When you go through fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 30, 23rd Psalms puts it this way, even though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I can't tell you how many people in my life that I have uh, met that are going through a very, very difficult time in their life, but yet they'll tell you they've never felt closer to God. I had a friend of mine when I was in high school, a kid that I played football with, and when we were 27 years old, he uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And he battled cancer for about a year and a half. And I'll never forget sitting down with him one day. And he told me, he said, Tommy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. He said, but I will tell you this. I'm closer to God now than I ever have been. And I wouldn't trade our relationship with how I am with God now for anything. And if we'll realize as Christians, we're not exempt from going through hard times. The difference is, is that we get to go through our hard and difficult times with Jesus Christ by our side. And we have a friend that closes, that sticks closer to us than any brother. He loves us and he's with us. And when we go through difficulties, we must not say, oh, God has forsaken me. Oh, I must have done something wrong. Oh, I'm getting punished. God doesn't love me anymore. He's abandoned me. Because that is not the truth. Matter of fact, I want you to listen to what Paul tells the Romans. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. We have a God who dwells within us and goes through every circumstance with us. And when hard times come in our lives, we can do one of two things. We can either run to God or we can run away from God. But we can't stay the same. 
Think about it. When difficulties come in your life, you're either going to cling to God and say, God, I've got, you've got to be with me through this circumstance. Or we say, I'm going to do it on my own and I can handle this. But you can't just stay in the middle. God wants us to rely upon him when we go through difficult times in our life. So if we're going to have joy in the midst of trials, we need to realize that we need to run to God because God wants to be close to us when we go through the fire. When we walk through the flames, we're in the midst of the storm. He wants to be in the boat with us. That's the God that we serve. I'll give you a third point for staying, keeping joy in the midst of trials. We must have the right attitude in the midst of our trials I, mean, I told you all ago that pain is universal. Here's the rest of it. Misery is optional. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. There's always something in our life that we can be thankful for. No matter what we're going through in our life, there's always someone who's going through a situation that's more difficult than what you're going through. Many of you know that Shelly and I have a daughter that has cerebral palsy. And we take her to therapy quite often. And I got to tell you that every time I take her to therapy, I become more and more thankful for the mobility that my daughter has. See, my daughter, though she can't walk from uh, very far on her own, she can clothe herself, she can feed herself, she can talk. And when I go to take her to therapy, I see child and after child, family after family who have children who can't feed themselves, who can't bathe themselves, who cannot walk, who can't do any of that. And all of a sudden, the trial that I'm going through seems minute compared to other people's trials. So you've got to realize that the trials in our life really are relative. I mean, a trial for me is when I go to a hotel room and they don't have internet. I mean, that's a trial. Yet there's people in this room today that are going through physical difficulties, through health issues that are on the verge of life and death. In this room, there are people who are going through financial difficulties that they've never gone through before. So always have something to be thankful for. We can always find something to give God thanks. And all of a sudden, it changes our attitude when we see our problems in comparison to what other people are going through. There are people this morning, somewhere around the world, that are worshiping God, that the trial they're going through, if someone walks in that door and they see them loving on Jesus and sharing their faith, that their lives could be in jeopardy. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to serve you here in this country, in freedom. So we have to have the right attitude. We have to, we have to, to, to do that. Listen to what Habakkuk said. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crops fell and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, dude, this guy's having a bad day. I'm just letting you know. I mean, he's the guy's in financial ruin. Nothing is going right for him. And yet, this is what he says. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. And here's a note for you and me this morning. 
Facing trials with strong faith and the right perspective brings God glory. First Peter says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Peter, first Peter goes on to say, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the whole world. You know, there is something absolutely special and amazing when you see someone going through a very difficult circumstance and they go through it with grace. When they go with it with a good attitude and they go through it with strong faith, all of a sudden it makes you just, wow, step back and go, man, they really believe in God. They really have a faith in God. You know, many of you know that John, which was in here earlier, broke his finger playing basketball. What many of you don't realize is that when John went up for that 360 dunk, it was I that he met at the rim. I took it, I packed it back down in his face. I just had to make sure my story was better than his. But, but you know, I was with John when he broke his finger. I do got to tell you, I, I had the opportunity, and I would actually consider it now the privilege of going to the emergency room with him. And he was in a lot of pain. I won't lie to you. But we got to that hospital room, and you know what? He sat down in front of the receptionist, and he began to ask the receptionist about her life. We sat down in the waiting room, and there were other people that were sickness, and he was talking to them with a smile on his face. And he was, John was being John. He was ministering the love of God wherever he went, even in the midst of a trial. And there is something beautiful and wonderful when you see people who are going through difficult circumstances, and you wouldn't know it. They go through it with strong faith. That's what I want to be like. That's the way I want to face my trials, my troubles, because it brings God glory. And matter of fact, the world looks at it and goes, how can you be going through that with a smile on your face? Well, it's because I'm not going through it alone. Jesus is right here beside me. Now, you know, you're sitting here listening to this message today, and you're going, man, I, my brother-in-law could just hear this. I mean, he's going through this trial. If he could just realize God's actually trying to get his attention, and he's working on him. Or so-and-so's doing this, and man, if they could just hear that, what's God doing in their life? I, I want to, to warn you and be careful of how you use this information. Matter of fact, it's a ministry note on your outline. And that is that we need to be sensitive to people who are going through trials. Proverbs 25 says, singing cheerful songs to a person with a heavy heart is like taking someone's coat in cold weather or pouring vinegar in a wound. Romans says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. There are people in this room today. Actually, there are three types of people who are in this room today. There are those that are in the midst of one of the biggest trials of their life. There are others in this room who are just coming out of a trial and they've seen God see them through. And there's a few of us in this room who everything seems to be really good and really fine. What I want to say to you is enjoy your next two days. 
because we're eventually all going to go through trials. And when we minister to other people, we need to be sensitive that trials are not fun when you're in the midst of them. When someone's in the hospital room, cry with them, love them, pray for them, ask God that God would give them strength and courage to get through what they're getting, what they're going through. So this morning, I want to have a word of prayer, and then I want to have a little bit of ministry time. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to come before you this morning. I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I, it's very clear, the scriptures that we read about choosing joy and rejoicing and all that in the midst of our trials. Lord, it's something you want us to do because it brings you glory. Father, I pray this morning, Lord God, that there are people in this room that are going through difficult circumstances that are beyond anything that I've ever gone through. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength and courage, Lord God, and that you would use everything they're going through, Lord God, for their good. Lord God, that there would be good that would come out of it, that you would be with them, Lord God, that you would be right by their side with every walk that they go through. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that it is true, and it really does help us guide our lives down this path. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.